I'm really glad to be here. I feel at home. I went home after I came the first time, and I said to Jody, one of the sisters, I found my church. <laughs> the, the only problem is I'm a Roman Catholic sister, and I have to be there, or I won't anymore be a sister of mercy, and that's really my church. So the prayer center is kind of a house church variety, I think, of similar to this, uh, the um, early Christian communities. You read Acts of the Apostles, and you know how they gathered in their homes. You know, I do this, so, um, you know, keep pointing here. Um, and I, I see a house church here. It's small. You can interact easily. You know one another. It's like a home, and it's, it's a great thing. So thank you for inviting me. I feel blessed to be here. Because of how I feel about your community and the meaning of house church, I brought this um, painting. I don't know the, the uh, artist, but it's hanging in our chapel at the prayer center, and I wanted to share it with you because you notice how inclusive it is. Everybody is there. The women, the men, the children, all around Jesus. And that's, again, how I see all of you. And that's why I wanted that to be the foundation of uh, what I share today about retreats. I'm, how many of you have ever made a retreat of some sort? Sure. And um, how, what would you say it is? I mean, from your own experience, why did you go there? What is it? I, I like to interact with people because um, it, my, my fort is not speaking to an audience. It's interacting. So anybody want to say what a retreat was for you? It doesn't have to be the generic, but what did it mean to you? Anybody? Time away. Time away. Retreat, withdrawal, hopefully not from an army. <laughs> Hopefully not when you're totally broken, but um, we need to get away, right? Any other experience? I've made a lot of retreats in my own life. Um, years ago, when I first entered the convent, and that was years ago, it was the old style. We all had habits, and our retreats were preached retreats, and mostly they were Jesuits because we have a great kinship with the Jesuit priests. And um, so we would hear the Ignatian exercises because they were uh, put together by St. Ignatius, who was the founder of the Jesuits. And uh, it was his own experience of retreat after he was converted to uh, Christ. It was, was 30 days at least in a, in a cave, actually, Manresa in Spain. And after he had that experience, he wrote it down in his journal, and he made it into a program so other people could have a similar experience, though each of us have our own experience. We don't, um, we don't do it the way anybody else does it, whatever it is, following Jesus' way. So um, that is the beginning of my retreat experience. And then since then, I've actually made that 30-day retreat that Ignatius did. That was a life-changing experience for me. Very intense. And I remember after 30 days and more of quiet, when I came home, I felt I had a glass uh, bowl around my head because I was like, I'm, 
I'm in this space and I can't even hear you, much less communicate with you. But the, the way it's been adapted, and it was Ignatius' suggestion, is into a 30-week, one-day-a-week experience, two hours. And that helps to integrate it. You know, you come one day a week, you have prayer, a teaching, a meeting with a spiritual director, and then you go home and live it for a week and pray in the midst, as you did in your pause series here. You talked about the daily prayer experience. And then the weekly, one way of doing weekly would be to come back to um, the Wednesday session. However, I don't think most of you have either the time (laughs) or the freedom to do something like that. Um, It's very intense, and you have a life that doesn't necessarily focus in that way for you. So what we've done at the prayer center is we've taken different kinds of experiences which come out of that um, Jesuit, that Ignatian, that experience of Ignatius. But it's not 16th century. (laughs) It's 21st century. We, We adapt it as we go. But follow the structure insofar as it's helpful. So that's by way of introduction. What I'd like to do is go back to this experience of the Last Supper with you because I see that as a context for any retreat, any prayer experience. It is the story, if you will, of the early Christians gathered around Jesus. They were his disciples. They were his friends. They were his family. And they knew him as well as anyone at that time could know him and understand him. And this was, we know from tradition, the last time he met with them. So the scripture around that, we know, um, says, when the time to celebrate the Jewish Passover arrived, Jesus took his place at the table and his disciples were with him. And he said to them, I have greatly longed I've yearned for this time. I've looked forward to this time with you because I want to share this meal with you before I suffer, before I leave you. And know that I will not eat this with you again until we are together in the kingdom of our God. And I deliberately spelled kingdom that way because I think kingdom is a word that isn't so much a part of our experience, but kingdom is. We are all kindred spirits in this communion that we experience with Jesus. So let's just take a moment, and I want to guide you through a meditation that flows from that early Christian time. And again, I would ask you just to quiet yourself. If it's Helpful, close your eyes, shut out distractions, be in touch with your breathing. And I'll guide you through just a little bit of this. And I want to say, these are my reflections. You have your own way of reflecting. And so as I lead along, you go where you are led. The spirit is in you. You may be wanting to stop at one moment. And you want to stay there? That's fine.
ignore what else is coming. Or if there's, you want to go on to something else, fine. If another image comes up to you, that's fine. Stay with that image. That's what a guided meditation is. You make it your own. So let's enter into that scene and let's ask ourselves, what was it like in that upper room? We know Jesus had sent the disciples to find the man who would let them use it. And so uh, here we are. And as you come into the room, whom, whom do you see? What do you see? I see Jesus there. He's standing near the doorway when I come in. He looks very serious. This is a solemn occasion, the Passover of the Jewish people. But he gazes into each one's eyes as they enter. And he embraces each one. He embraces you. And what does he say to you? What do you say to him? Perhaps you'd like to linger right there with him. Or maybe you will move on into the room and let Jesus greet the others. Close by is Mary, his mother. She's always so warm and gracious. But I think I see tears in her eyes. Does she realize that Jesus is in serious trouble with the Pharisees? She knows he's been rejected by them. He's, he's a threat to them, to their authority. So you give her a special hug. And then over there is Jairus. You remember Jairus is the one that was a leader of the synagogue and his daughter was dying, so he came to Jesus and he said, please, come, come to my home and heal her. And by the time Jesus got there, the child was already dead. But Jesus said, she's not dead, she's sleeping, and he raised her. So can imagine what Jairus and his wife feel like and what the little one feels like as they come together to this supper. And then over there near the table, I see uh, Jesus' special friends, Mary and Martha. Mary uh, and Martha are bringing in baskets of bread to the table. And Lazarus, their brother, and uh, James and John, the apostles, are carrying pitchers of wine. So the table is being readied. And I see Peter and his wife and his mother-in-law over there. They're helping, too. They're arranging cushions around the table and making it comfortable for people when they gather. Mary Magdalene, I can see over there, she's waving to me. I always appreciate her friendship. She's so warm and kind. I start to go toward her, but then I see Jesus coming toward me, and he seems to want to talk to me. So I tell him how glad I am to be here. And I share with him what is in my heart. Perhaps I have a special need I want to tell him about, or maybe I want to talk to him about someone else that I'm concerned about. Take this time and just spend that with Jesus, who wants to talk to you and listen.
to you. I wish we could spend much more time in this meditation, but you can return to this in your daily prayer. Remember what happened to you. Remember how you felt. Remember how you were drawn to be there in that scene. And when you get a chance, write it down so that you don't forget it because it's important. It's your experience. It's your relationship with Jesus and with the community around Jesus. Now, as we talk about the power and the necessity of a retreat, an annual retreat, you've already said what some of you have experienced. It's a time away. It's a pause on your journey. And I've heard some people say, after they go apart from the retreat, that they came back now after the retreat to reality, as if the retreat was not reality. But in fact, isn't it the deepest kind of reality? Isn't it what your life with Jesus is all about, really? And isn't that reality, that deeper reality, what gets lost sometimes in the midst of our daily activities? Which is why, if we don't take time here and there, now and then, to ponder this deepest reality and what it means for us. Who is Jesus for me? Uh, what is his mission? And what kind of a call does he have to me to follow him? We need to keep in touch with that. And it changes. Those of you who have lived longer know that who you are now is not who you were. And the retreat you make this year will not be the retreat you made a few years ago, probably. So you choose the retreat, you choose the program, you choose the space that you feel fits you, where you can really be who you are in your deepest self. And um, as Brian pointed out, we've got some brochures from Mercy Prayer Center, but we also have a list of retreat centers that are within a radius of no more than three hours away. And they might be helpful to look over. I tried to stress the particular style of that retreat center for you. Uh, as I pointed out, uh, early in my own history, um, preached retreats is all we had. And then we were supposed to take those ideas and we were supposed to reflect on them and what they meant for us. A guided retreat gives another dimension, and that is you will have a presenter who will put out his or her reflections, and then there will be guides present with whom you can meet on a personal basis and share uh, what it meant to you, what you felt the message was about, and so forth. Um, for some people, I know some of our sisters uh, will go on a hiking retreat or a camping retreat 
or a climbing retreat, which I, cannot, I can't even climb up here, much less go climbing during a retreat. But um, with a guide to open up the experience for you and show you how Jesus is present in that experience, uh, it can be very helpful, uh, especially the outdoors part. I think many of you can relate to that. Uh, a directed retreat is what it says. You have a guide not to tell you what to do. A guide is not a director because the guide doesn't know what God wants of you any more than you do. But by listening to you and repeating back to you what she or he hears, you get a sense of, yes, this must be what God is saying. Or no, that's not. No, it's something else. We have to keep searching. And we always say that in a spiritual direction meeting, there are three people present, three persons. One is yourself. One is the retreat director, guide, and the other one is the spirit. And it's no good if you aren't both listening to the spirit and if you aren't aware of that presence with you. I think uh, as you look at possibilities in your own life for a retreat, it was good, it's good to look at special times in the church year when the liturgy reinforces whatever you're doing. Um, Advent, Christmas time, if you're not too busy. After Christmas time is better. Lent, Easter, uh, special times when, if you're related to a church community, you are reinforced in your experience by the dimensions of the um, liturgical year. So, any questions so far? I'd, I'd, I'd like to interact and go back and forth with you. I don't think this is um, all new information. I hope I'm just refreshing you and um, lifting up your own experience. Anybody? Questions? Um, and I'll be around afterwards if anybody wants to talk about anything. Uh, what I'd like to do now is talk about the equipment that we need for the retreat. And I deliberately am using Ignatian language because, uh, as I said, that's the foundation of the spirituality at uh, Mercy Prayer Center and of a lot of Christian uh, experiences. The particular um, naming of these experiences are from Ignatius' experience, Lexio Divina. Uh, I think we've got that on the screen somewhere, do we? Um, the Lexio Divina, uh, Scott pointed out, the first session I was here with you when he was talking about daily prayer, it's really as simple as holy reading, divine reading. And it's when you take the scriptures and you ponder them and you internalize them and you think about them, you ponder them, and then you bring them into your heart and see what you feel about them because in your emotions is where the drive, the energy exists that will compel you forward. So there's the Lexio Divina, there's Ignatian Contemplation, which was something like that guided meditation I did with you. You use your imagination to enter into the scene. The uh, traditional centering prayer is a kind that 
is very, very much aware of, I think. Actually, Zen meditation is very much like centering prayer. It comes from the quieter culture of the East, and it is a prayer of quiet. No images, no thoughts. Just be in touch with a mantra, with a repeated word to help you focus. Um, and again, it's very suitable for some people. For me, at this point in my life, I appreciate it because I've heard all the words, quote unquote. I've seen everything. Now I just want to be quiet at the center of my being with God. Other people, no way, that's not where they're at. They're more active, they do more active things, they think more actively. That's fine. That's why there are so many different ways. Uh, the daily awareness examine we did for the confession today. That's, it's something that we do each day. And then if you take a moment to journal what happened, then you kind of have a track record. I call it tracking the spirit. You can watch what God, God's Holy Spirit, is doing from day to day. And then at the end of a year, you have... Um, a picture of the whole year, and after a few years, you can see where God is leading. I have found that if I go back to my old journals, I see some of the same old, same old, but it's gotten a new light now. I see it differently. Maybe now I really mean it, and then I just wished it. But it was God's spirit in me urging me on. Uh, along with those guided meditations are one that, that Ignatius does on two standards, the standard of the world and the standard of Jesus. And you know, you've been caught between those two standards. You know how you struggle with the values of each system. And if we are honest and realistic, we know that our culture is not a Christian culture. Maybe a lot of people go to church, but even that doesn't necessarily mean that you're in touch with Jesus' spirit. It depends on the church and the leadership and the faith community and what their values are. So that is one way of praying with the difference. Um, there's one he calls three ways of loving. And that's really about three qualities of relationship with Jesus. And it isn't like you do one and then you get and the next one, and then the next one. We go in and out. Some days we're feeling really high about Jesus. We're feeling really good, really related. We'll do anything for Jesus. And then another day, we are only in touch with our shadow. We're only in touch with our doubts. And then um, we aren't so eager to, get, to keep following him because it's too hard. The standard of Jesus is too hard. So there are different, different times, different phases, different ways that we are caught up in love with Jesus. I like to work with the shadow uh, kinds of meditation because they help us to get in touch with the dark side of us, the side that's so deep in our consciousness we don't even know it's there sometimes, much less do we know where it comes from. You know what Paul says? Um, I do things I don't want to do, and I don't do things that I do want to do. What's going on deep within him that he experiences this tug? And if you can surface that, if you can surface the realities that put that darkness into you, and it, it, 
You didn't start out that way. I know in the Catholic Church we put a lot of emphasis on original sin, and baptism would take original sin away, and then we would be clean again. Now we look at the infant as it comes fresh from God's creation, and we see it already is beautiful, clean, pure. It's the world around that gets you caught up into the sin condition. And it begins with your own family. We're all dysfunctional in some way, some more than others. It begins with your siblings, it begins with your schooling, it begins with whatever your early experiences are. And if you don't recognize it, and you don't when you're young, then you don't deal with it. But when you get midlife, usually that's the time when you start saying, what's going on here? So that's the shadow work. And then it all leads to what I call the, con well, I call it, Ignatius calls it the contemplatio, which means you are a more contemplative person. You're more aware in everything that happens of how God is acting in you and how the Spirit is leading you, and that's wonderful. Then the faith-sharing part is where we share this journey with one another. And I know you've been strengthened in your own experience by talking with friends, with people who have similar values. It, it's very strengthening to hear other people's experiences of God and of the Spirit. And it helps them if you share your experience. So as we summarize, I'd like to look at a circle that Margaret Silf uh, gave us at the prayer center. She's, a, she's an English woman who was, you could say, brought up on the exercises. She's a, a really uh, an Ignatian theologian, you might say. And she has pulled the exercises into many kinds of ways of being present. And this one is a summary of the whole journey. The circle is full of God. You sang this morning a hymn about God filling us and letting God be our whole life. That's what we need to recognize, that God already is our whole life. In the outer circle, the where am I, we discover the givenness of our lives. When you were born, who were you? What was your nationality? What was your mother's and your father's origin? Uh, they're givens. You had nothing to say about the way you were born and the way you were brought up in those early years. When you get to the point of making decisions, even if it's only age two, and the decision is, I'm not going to let mommy tell me what to do, um, that's fine. That's part of growing up and taking a hold of yourself. That's the next circle. How am I? And that second circle is, uh, involves the areas of our lives where we begin to make choices. It's the time when we are discerning, is this the choice of the world or is this the choice of the spirit? So that's an inner circle. And the final, most inner circle is who am I really? Who am I in God? What is God making me to be? How is God shaping me? What is the call of God in my life? Given the particular gifts, the particular insights, the particular uh, background and experience that I've had, how is God leading me to that center? So I think it's a nice paradigm of the whole journey. And the retreats help us to enter into that journey and to see how we are now. 
and where we're going in the future. Amen. And any questions you can raise at any time. I think we need to move on uh, with the service. Thank you very much, Sister Mark. And as we uh, continue on, uh, a way to respond to what Sister Mark has drawn us into and showing us these different practices of examine, uh, practices of kind of letting God speak to our heart and drawing us uh, to himself uh, is through the meditation on, on table, just reflecting on table, what it was that, that Christ did at table here. Um, Sister Marg started us off by reading the first, uh, or a couple verses from uh, Luke 22. And that chapter goes on in verses 17 through 19 of Luke 22. It says that Jesus, he took a cup of wine, that he blessed it and gave thanks. And he said, this is the cup of my life blood being poured out for you. It is a sign of the covenant of our God that he has made with us which I am renewing with you today. Then he took the bread and blessed and broke it and passed it to his friends and his family and his disciples. And he said, I have given my whole life for you. Eat this bread, share this meal, and live as I have lived in remembrance of me. Sister Marg mentioned that uh, wonderful translation of, of the word kingdom and changed it to kingdom. And and that's what we're being called to here, kin, being family with each other, sharing a meal. And as we share this meal, remember and give thanks for what Christ has done for us. Remember that, that we are fallen, that we have fallen away from, from God, that you know, there are things in our lives that every day separate us from God, things that we're supposed to do that we didn't, things that we did do that we weren't supposed to do, uh, attitudes that we have, thoughts that we have, just things that... that God calls sin in his, in his word, and they take us away from that relationship, out of, out of family. And he welcomes us back through table. He welcomes us back through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, who, who being fully God, didn't consider his Godhood something to be held on to, but emptied himself, became human, took on flesh and blood, and paid the price of death that is required of all sin. And so that's what we celebrate at the table. We give thanks to God because Jesus paid the price for us and opened up that way to, to be restored to family, to be restored to relationship with each other. And so there is bread on the table representing Christ's broken body. There are two cups on the table of wine and juice representing that poured out blood, that new covenant, the new life that you can have in Jesus Christ. If Jesus was here today, if, if we were sitting around tables such as the picture shows and Jesus were to invite you to table... Come, share a meal with me. Come have dinner with me. And your response would be, yes. We invite you to table. We invite you to come take a piece of the bread, break it, dip it in either the wine or the juice, and remember and give thanks to God for His gift of love and grace that was shown through Jesus Christ by the power of His Holy Spirit. And so this table will be open for the remainder of our time here through uh, both the time of reflection and then as we start to sing and the music comes up, uh, it will be open through that whole time. So we invite you to take this time and maybe there was something that Sister Mark said about uh, 
prayer, about examine, about looking in your heart, about asking the Spirit to show what God sees in your life and show you that. So maybe there's a time for you to reflect. So we invite you to take time to, to pause and to meditate or just relax. And we don't need to form a line, but just come up when you're ready and remember and give thanks for Jesus and his sacrifice that he made for us. So with that, let's bow our hearts in prayer and uh, enter into this time of response. Father, Abba, Daddy, we thank you for this time that we can celebrate, that we can give thanks to you, that, that we can remember how you gave your son, your beloved son, to be tortured and to be killed. But then you breathed life back into him. Your Holy Spirit resurrected him, gave him new life, and therefore entered into this new era, this time where we know that we can also have that new life. That it's because of your son Jesus Christ, because of the Holy Spirit working in the world and in our hearts, drawing us to you, that we can celebrate and have new life, that the, the old is past and the new is here. And we thank you for that and we celebrate it at table. Lord, draw our hearts close to you as we spend this time in responding to your word in the reflections that Sister Mar gave to us. We pray that we would be strangely warmed, that we would be drawn and pulled to you. And this would be the next step on our journey with you as we draw closer to that center of who we truly are in you. It is in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God, that we pray. Amen. The table is open.